Hey, let's get into our study. Pull out your full-page outline. Let's get right into it today. In our study series, we've been talking about how people have been amazed by Jesus. That's kind of the, the uh, push of this entire series. Next week, we're wrapping it off, and I'm real excited about what God has kind of laid on my heart, not only for this week, but next week. Jesus had this effect of amazing people um, all the time. In fact, there are 41 events in the accounts of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels. There are 41 different times where the response to what Jesus did or said is the, is the word amazed. People were amazed. The crowd was amazed. He, it was amazing. Uh, and so it draws me, I hope it draws you to that, to, to be amazed by Jesus. I hope that today we are amazed. We've been focusing mainly on what Jesus did over the last seven or eight weeks here. Today we're going to look at how the crowd was amazed at his teaching, is what Matthew 7, 28 says. They were amazed at his teaching. So let's pick up the account, and we're going to back up to get some context, because if you don't know, Matthew 7 kind of wraps off what's called the Sermon on the Mount. It was one of Jesus' most popular, uh, most famous sermons that he gave, and it was a, a, a message, a series really of teachings that he gave over a couple of day period uh, to followers and to the crowd. And so we're going to back up and have a lead in to get some context today. So Matthew chapter 4, we read this. Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. Now back up, let's just think about that. He is announcing the good news about what? The kingdom. In a kingdom, you would have a what? A king. Right? You get that? And so what he is pushing is the idea of the kingdom of heaven. And all throughout Matthew, he teaches this, that the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is pushing the kingdom of heaven. And in the kingdom of heaven, there would be a king. And so we're seeing that Jesus is pushing in, is leaning in to this idea that he is the king. Or the Jews would know him as the Messiah. We would know him as the son of God. And so he's pushing into this idea. He's making it very clear. We talked a little bit about this last week. He's using signs to point to who he is, the king in the kingdom. So he's teaching the good news about the kingdom. He healed every kind of disease and illness. News about him spread as far as Syria. People soon began bringing to him all who were sick. And whatever their sickness and disease, or if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them. What's that word? You didn't, I, I was, when I read it, I'm like, he healed them all. I mean, think about that, right? All. There wasn't, he healed some of them. He healed a few of them. He healed the worst cases. No, he healed them all. That is the part that was amazing to the people. Because nobody had ever done that before. He healed them all. Look what it says. Large crowds followed him wherever he went. Would you follow him if this guy was healing everybody? I think so. So they followed him. And we're not just talking a couple of dozen people. I mean, we're, we're talking hundreds, if not thousands. Researchers believe that thousands followed him on a regular basis. So this is, this is a crowd of people. Followed him wherever he went. People from Galilee, the ten towns, Jerusalem, from all over Judea, and from east of the Jordan River. You don't really know the geographical meaning of that, so I'll just tell you. He's basically, Matthew's basically saying there were Jews that were following him. There were Gentiles. There were Jews, non-Jews. There were all kinds of people, all sorts of people from all areas that were following Jesus. Why? Because they were amazed at what he was doing. 
Now, what's interesting, though, in all of this is he's drawing this huge crowd, and yet when you read through the, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, anytime the crowd would swell and it would grow really big, Jesus would do some weird things. He would teach some really strict um, teaching. He would, he would teach some really controversial things, and it was almost as if he was trying to thin out the crowd. He was. I mean, Jesus did not care about building a crowd. He was not interested in crowds. He never pursued fame. He never pursued popularity. He, he, I mean, he demonstrated compassion toward the crowds. You know, the teachings and the, and the miracles that he did. He fed the 5,000. He fed the 4,000. He did all of these kinds of things. So he had compassion, but he was consistently pushing to make a separation. And the separation was between those who would follow him and those who were simply amazed. Listen, those who would actually believe in him and commit their life to him or those who were coming for the show and the food. You follow me? He was constantly pushing for this separation. So we pick up the account, Matthew 5, verse 1. One day, as he saw the crowds gathering, so here, here come the people, crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. That's Really doesn't carry a lot of cultural meaning, but in their day, it meant he was getting ready to teach. It was a rabbinical form. A, a rabbi would sit down and he would teach. The people knew, oh, he's getting ready to teach. So it would kind of be like me pulling up the music stand and getting my stuff ready. You know that I was ready to teach. Jesus is ready to teach. He sits down and it says his disciples gathered around him and he began to teach. So over this three to four day period, he begins to teach Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7. Now, we're not going to hit all of it because we're going to run out of time. But, but what's interesting is some of the highlights that I want to touch, and then we're going to wrap it off. Matthew 5, Jesus taught what's called the Beatitudes. Everybody, anybody ever hear of that before, the Beatitudes? It's, you know, blessed are you if you do this. Blessed are you if you do this. Blessed are you if you do this. You know, it, it was um, an emphasis on living how God wanted you to live about how his followers are to be like salt and light in the world. Uh, uh, Jesus taught how um, his, his followers should affect those around them with the message of Jesus. Jesus taught about how he had come to fulfill the law of God. Uh, Jesus taught on some very practical things. He taught about how to handle anger. If you ever struggle with anger and having a short fuse, this is, you know, Matthew 6, Matthew 5, Matthew 6 are really good chapters to read through. Jesus taught about adultery and divorce. Jesus taught about keeping your promises, keeping your word. Jesus taught about not taking revenge. Jesus taught about loving your enemies, which that's a hard one to do, right? So it's not so much the content, and that's what I want to emphasize here. It's not so much the content of what, of what he taught that grabbed people's attention. It's how he presented the truths. I'm going to show you. Notice what Jesus says. Matthew 5, 21. You have heard that it was said, you must not murder. Anyone who murders another will be judged. But I tell you, if you are angry with someone, you will be judged. Matthew 5, 27. Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, you must not be guilty of adultery. But I tell you that if anyone who even looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. 
Matthew 5.31, you have heard that it was said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a written divorce paper. But I tell you that a man who divorces his wife, unless she has been unfaithful, causes her to commit adultery. Matthew 5.38, you have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, don't stand up against an evil person. If someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other cheek also. Matthew 5.43, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I say to you, Love your enemies, pray for those who hurt you. So let me ask you a question. Do you see the repeats of those? Do you see the phrases that are repeated that Jesus is repetitively saying? You should. Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, but I say to you. Come on, read it with me. You have heard that it was said, but I say to you. So what is he saying here? See, in in ancient rabbinical style teaching, the Jewish religious teachers would quote those that went before them. They would quote ancient rabbis. And then they would discuss what others had said. So, you know, is it wrong to quote other people? Is it wrong to quote what somebody says about what God says? No, of course not. And we, I do that. You may do that. You know, but we have to realize that the authority on what God says is not in a person. The authority of what God says comes from God himself. The, no one has credentials to, to explain what God says other than God himself. So Jesus says, you have heard that it was said But I say to you, basically Jesus is saying, you've been taught this, but now I'm teaching something new. So let's, you know, let's just look back. You don't have to on the screen, but on your outline, look back at the Matthew 5, uh, 43. I mean, Jesus says that it was taught, that it was said to you, it was taught to you, love your neighbor, hate your enemies. Now let me just ask you a question. Is that easy to do? Easier? Yeah. Is it easy to love people who love you? Let me just ask that question. Is it easy to love people who love you back? Absolutely. So we have a tendency to love people who love us back. We have a tendency, I'm not going to say hate, because that's a strong word, but let's just say not love those who don't love us back. Am, am I right in that? It's, it's difficult. Anybody have difficult people in your life? Difficult to love? I do. I'm sure you do too. So Jesus is saying, you've, you've heard that it was taught, you were taught that it's okay to love those who love you, but it's okay to hate those who don't. And Jesus says, no, I disagree with that. God disagrees with that. Jesus says, you are to love those who don't love you. You see how hard this gets? I mean, sometimes I think we feel that following Jesus is supposed to be easy. That once we just, you know, ask him to forgive us of our sins and we say that we believe in him and boy, it's a done deal and it's going to be a piece of cake to live this blessed life is going to be so great and so easy. But Jesus is saying, no, it's not as easy as you think it is. You're being called to a commitment. Do you see what he's doing? He's thinning the crowd. He's saying, some of you want to really follow and commit your life, but others of you are just here for the show. You that are just here for the show, you need to understand that it's going to take a lot more commitment from you. And that kind of pushes into us, doesn't it? We can come to church every week, 
But if we're not beginning to live out some of the things that Jesus calls us to live out, are we really following him? Hmm. Okay. You have heard that it was said, but I say to you, Jesus is speaking on the basis of who he is. Remember, he's teaching this kingdom. And he's saying, I'm the king. He's saying that he is the son of God. He's saying that he is the Messiah. He's saying, my credentials are here. I am teaching on the basis of who I am, not on what others have said, on who I am. In fact, it's it's interesting. Jesus was the son of God, but even beyond that, the apostle John tells us that he was also the word of God. Take a look at this. John 1. The word was with God, and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. It sounds like a lot of mumble-jumble words, right? But here's where it gets really good. The word gave life to everything that was created, and what's that next pronoun? His life. All of a sudden, John, the writer John, shifts. He's talking about the word, the word, the word, his. Wait, oh, it's a he, Okay, look what it says. The word um, gave life to everything that was created and his life brought life to everyone. The word became, what's that next word? Human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and and faithfulness and we have seen his glory, the glory of the father's one and only son. John is saying the word is the son of God. The word of God is the son of God. There's a metaphor, there's an imagery that he's using. So what I want you to understand is that Jesus' teaching cannot be dismissed as someone's opinion. It doesn't work that way. Jesus spoke straight from the source. He is not only the son of God, he is the word of God. Jesus teaches the purposes and intents of God directly. He doesn't have to seek someone else's opinion. He doesn't have to quote anyone else. In Matthew 6, Jesus taught about heart issues. Matthew 6 is a tough chapter. Wow. He calls us to these spiritual habits, things that followers should do, about being generous and helping the needy, about praying with the right motives. Jesus taught about everyday issues like how we should handle our money and our stuff. Jesus taught about how we shouldn't worry. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands of how many of us deal with worry. You know what Jesus said? Jesus said, what is it going to gain you to worry? He says, trust God. Hmm. Jesus taught about how we shouldn't judge others. That's a tough one too in our world, our culture. So Jesus' teaching is not this motivational speech. A lot of the times it's so, it's so interesting to me, and I, I went on YouTube this week. I probably shouldn't do this, but I went on YouTube just to see what people talk or, or how they feel and what they say about the, the, the Sermon on the Mount, what Jesus taught in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And I watched some of these videos. And the approach is, oh, it was a great speech. Oh, it was so inspirational, so motivational. Friends, listen, what Jesus shared is not intended for discussions in ethic classes. That was not his intent. It is not a lecture on morality by some great philosopher. Jesus taught as the Son of God and the Word of God on purpose. Look what it says in verse 28 
of Matthew chapter 7. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught them with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of religious law. You know why? He was teaching as the Son of God and the Word of God. He was not quoting someone else. He didn't need someone else's opinion. He was giving directly from God what God wanted to say to the people. And so, this is where the rub comes. If this truly is words, follow this, words from the Word of God, then we cannot pick and choose what we will do and what we don't want to do. That's where it gets tough to be a follower of Christ. To follow Jesus, we have to take what Jesus teaches as a whole and we have to begin to live that out in our everyday lives. We have to put that into practice in our everyday lives. How are you doing on that? I know how I'm doing. I'm not close to where I want to be. Anybody else like me in that? I mean, some, just some of these highlighted areas that we just ba basically touched on today, I'm thinking, ooh, ooh, that, ooh that's me. Ooh, man, I, I struggle with that. Do you ever do that? I, man. These are some tough things. And Jesus is saying, you've got to take all of what I say as truth for you, for your life. Are you living it out? If you want to follow me, you have to live it out. And where I get this idea is the way that he wrapped up his teaching that day, the Sermon on the Mount, those couple of days actually, how he wrapped it up with this um, word picture, this story, this imagery that he gives is amazing. And you probably have heard this story. You may not even have known that it was in the Bible that Jesus said it, but, but he did. He gives this illustration at the end of Matthew 7 that, that I wanted us to use as we wrap off today. Take a look. Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine, let me just stop and say, what is he talking about? He's talking about the last three or four days that he's been teaching all of this stuff. Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7. Keep in mind, it's not comprehensive. Matthew didn't include everything that Jesus taught. I'm sure he's just giving us highlights. But all of what Jesus taught, Jesus is saying, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Jesus says the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. And then he gives this contrast picture. He says, but everyone who hears these words of mine, notice everyone is hearing the same words. Don't miss that. It's good for us church people when we come to church every week. We're all hearing it. It's just a matter of what we do with it. Somebody could say amen at that point. That's a good word right there. We need to hear that. We need to understand that it's what we do with it is what makes a difference in our life. Look what Jesus says. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. 
So let me ask you a couple of questions here. What happened to the two builders? One stayed strong in the storm, right? The other collapsed in the storm. What's the difference between the two builders? Well, one built on a strong foundation and he stayed strong in the storm. One built on a weak foundation and he collapsed. His house collapsed in the storm. A couple of similarities. They both were building something. Listen to me. It's not in your notes. You're building your life on something. You, you were already choosing to build your life on something. Everybody does. The other thing I notice is a similarity. They both had the same storm. Isn't it true that in life, we have storms in life, we have things that come against us. Life is not easy, it's hard. And, and until we realize that and realize that we are gonna have difficulties in life, um, we never really grow up. It's time to grow up and realize that there will be difficulties. And we have to choose what we base our life on, what we build our life on. Hmm. So there's those similarities. So in construction, the construction background that I have limited it as it is, but experts know that the size and quality of a foundation determine the integrity and the stability of the structure. So, so basically, the foundation determines how strong the structure is and how, much, how high the structure can grow. That's important. So realize it or not, you are building your life on something. Wouldn't it be wise for us to build our life on something that's going to stay strong no matter what we face in life? That's what I would want. I think that's what you would want too. So how do we do that? How, how do we build our life on something that's going to last, something that's strong? Well, Jesus tells us actually. I mean, look at it. Verse 24, everyone who hears these words of mine and what? Read it with me. Puts them into practice. Hmm. So I want you to circle that phrase on your outline or underline it, do something. Puts them into practice. So it's not just hearing it, it's doing it. The, the second part says, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice. There we go. It's the same idea, putting them into practice. So what's the difference? Putting Jesus's words into practice. Jesus is talking about putting his words into practice. Everybody get that? And you say, okay, Bart, you're beating this drum a lot. I am, because we miss this. We think that we are growing as followers of Christ when we just take in, take in, take in. Take in a good sermon. Take in a Bible reading. Take in some devotionals. Take in a good song. Take in something on Caleb. Oh, that was good. You know, take in all of it. And we just take in, take in, take in. You know what? It's not doing any good if you're not living it out. You have to live out what you're taking in. You hear it. And put it into practice. Hmm. Not just hearing it. Doing it. Get this down in your outline. I, will, I build my life on a strong foundation by doing what Jesus says. I build my life on a strong foundation by doing what Jesus says. There's a perspective that the message paraphrase gives. Uh, Eugene Peterson 
I had, had a chance at Point Loma one time. They were having a pastor's day. I got to actually meet and talk with him. And um, just an awesome biblical researcher, former pastor, just an awesome guy. And he gives us this paraphrase, and, and I love how he puts it. And I, and I wanted to include it today because I think it will help us to get this a little bit more. Take a look at what he says. Jesus is saying this. These words I speak to you are not additions to your life homeowner improvements to your standard of living. So don't miss what Eugene Peterson is saying here. He's saying these are not add-ons. These these are not just some improvements that you bring into what you're already continuing to do. Basically, you can't stay the same and just add some Jesus into the mix. Look what he says. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you, here it is, Work these words into your life. You are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. I want you to circle those words. Work these words into your life. Those six words are important. Come on, read them with me. Work these words into your life. Say it one more time. Work these words into your life. Now turn to somebody near you and tell them, work these words into your life. Come on, tell them that as I pull this table up for us. It's important for us to understand this. It's important for us to to really grasp what Jesus is talking about, to work these words into our lives. And so what what I have here in front uh, is, I'm going to pour it here for us, is just two glasses of water. Okay, pretty simple. Hopefully I have enough for both of them here. All right. So we have two glasses of water. And... uh, What's interesting is many of us approach our lives with with what Jesus says, just like taking a tea bag and just kind of dipping it in. Oh, I'm coming to church. I'm going to dip it in. I'm listening to Caleb. I'm dipping it in. I'm reading my Bible today. I haven't read it for a long time, so I got to find out where I want to. Oh, dipping it in, right? Let me ask you a question. Is there any change that's taking place to that? No. It's still a glass of what? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, this looks like water. It smells like water. You know, it, I'm sure it tastes like water. Same thing with this one. It looks like water. Smells like water. It, it smells just like this glass over here. So there's no difference. What's interesting is a lot of the times, this is the way we, we approach coming to church. This is the way we approach being a Christian or being a follower, whatever you want to call it. It's like, well, you know, there, there is a line here because I go to church and I, and, and I have a Bible. Don't really read it all that much, but I have a Bible. And I, and I got the app on my phone, but I had never really opened it up. But I have it on my phone. And, and Caleb is there, but sometimes I listen to other stations, you know. And I'm not saying you should only listen to that, so please don't misunderstand me on that, all right? But we're, we think that by just having this separation from someone else, somebody that is not following Christ, is that's good enough. But last time I checked... It's the same, right? Just hearing and not living it out, not letting it get into your life, doesn't change you. You're still a glass of water, just like this other person. You're you're still a glass of water. Isn't Isn't it kind of alarming to you that there are followers of Christ that the only difference they have between anyone else in the world 
Is it they get up on Sunday mornings and go to church? That's the only difference that they have from somebody else that doesn't follow Christ. It's just a scheduling issue. Getting quiet in here. Because we know this is true, right? I know this is true in my life. If I'm not careful, I remain the same. And it never, ever changes me. But what if I do this? What if what what Jesus says starts getting into my life. I wonder what would happen in my life if instead of just dipping it in, I let the word of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, get in there. We'll come back to this in just a minute. Doing what Jesus says, living by what Jesus says. Jesus says it's the source, it's their only source, of a sure foundation. Now, I want to share some stuff personally with you. You guys know that um, we've kind of been going through some stuff with my family, with my mom, um, just some difficult things in regards to her health, in regards to us trying to help her as much as we can, and the distance is killing us being here, and she lives in Cleveland, Tennessee. And... uh, I just shared this last night in our family time. I've shared this with my wife a couple of times this week. Um, I'm not freaking out. And, and for, you that, for you that know me just here, I'm pretty cool, calm, and collected. But behind the scenes, if you know me behind the scenes, there are times that I stress. Okay? Anybody else stressed? Do you ever, you ever do that? You're, you could be really cool in public, but man, behind the scenes, it's, ah, you know. And the, the, there are moments, um, I got to admit, there are moments that I feel that things are overwhelming in regards to my mom, in regards to what we're trying to do and help. And, and, um, but I have felt... Sure, I have felt stable more, more than ever before in my life. And so I backed up because and, and, I knew I was coming into this whole idea of building a strong foundation in your life no matter what the storms are. And, I, and, I, and so I backed up and I'm like, God, how come I'm feeling the way that I'm feeling? How come I'm feeling stable in the midst of what we're going through right now? And, and what I could come to was what I'm doing Not what I'm hearing, not what I'm listening to, what I'm doing. The the, the practical things of how um, how this, this source of strong foundation is affecting my life. Here's what I've discovered. I can only do what Jesus says if I know what Jesus says. Makes sense, right? I can only do what Jesus says if I know. So if if I'm only going to have a strong foundation by doing what Jesus says, the only way I can do what Jesus says is to know what Jesus says. So think practically with me. How can I know what Jesus says? This is just stuff that I'm doing on an everyday basis in my life. Let me give you two ways it's been affecting my life. One, read what Jesus says every day. 
Read it. Make it a priority to read something in your Bible every day. If you don't have a Bible version that you don't understand, if you don't have a, 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 maybe the version, a Bible app on your smartphone, something like that, my question to you is, what's wrong? We live in a day and age right now where there are so many versions out. There is so much of an ease with a mobile device and all this. There's, there's no reason why we can't read something in the Bible every day. And I have found in my life that this is what's getting me through. I've found in my life that as I come into these situations and have to make decisions regarding my mom, and it was really difficult to leave her, I'll just be honest with you. I wanted to come home. I wanted to be home. I was ready to come home. But to leave her in a very confused state, if you don't know first stage dementia, it's, she, she realizes she is confused. Okay? As you get farther in dementia, I know that they, they lose that part. But right now, she realizes she's in, she is confused. She realizes she's forgetting, and it is scaring her. And so it was really difficult to leave that. And th there were days where I'm like, God, what am I supposed to do with this? And what am I supposed to do with my mom needing help, and yet my family and my church and my job and all of that pulling me in the other opposite direction to the West Coast. I can't stay here, God, forever. What am I supposed to do with this? And there were days that God spoke to me through the Bible so often and so strongly, words of direction, words of encouragement, words of specifics saying to me that he knows what's going on. There was a phrase that kept going in my mind the whole time I was there for 10 days. God is in control. God is in control. Even though it didn't feel like it always, and even though it didn't always um, look like it. I want to encourage you to make it a priority to read something in your Bible every day. That's how you will be putting in the words of Christ into your life. The second thing, study what Jesus says every week. So read something every day and study what Jesus says every week. Make it a priority to learn about what Jesus says every week. So here's a question for you. Where else do most of us get as big a dose of learning about Jesus as when we come to worship together on Sundays? We don't. This is, this is the, the shot in the arm. You hear what I'm saying? This is, you may get it um, you know, occasionally. You may even get it every day. But there's something about coming together and growing and learning and studying together that you can't get anywhere else. This is the place. We're getting ready to launch some small groups uh, coming in, uh, what, end of June. And um, I encourage you to get in a small group. There's something about talking about the Word of God, talking about the Bible, how it applies to our life in a small group that you can't get anywhere else. There's something about that. So, so make it not a, a weekly thing, a regular thing. I know you're here today, so I, I know that you're getting that. But I want to just push this home in our lives. It's so important. I can only do what Jesus says if I know what Jesus says. A 
lot of times people claim to follow Jesus, but they never live that way. I think that's why there's so many hypocrites in the church. Did you know that's the number one complaint of churches? People outside the church world, they look at us and, and, and a, a church at whole, and they say, oh, they're just full of hypocrites. It's just people who are not really living what they're saying. They're not living what they say they believe in. It's true. Because to be honest, I'm not even sure they even know what they believe in. They just call themselves a follower, a Christian. But they really don't know what Christ says. Those who say they follow Jesus but never have their lives affected by what Jesus says. And that's not the kind of followers that Jesus is looking for. Look at what Jesus says in John 8, 31. Jesus said to those who believed in him, it's it's important, who believed in him, Jesus says, if you live by what I say, you are truly my what? Disciples, followers. I love this next one. Jesus says, all who love me will do what I say. Wow. Now, I realize that all of us are here for various reasons here today. I mean, some of us might be here simply checking out the whole God thing and kind of kicking the tires on this and the church thing. And if that's you, we're glad you're here. But some of us are really leaning in, are really pushing in to be followers of Jesus. And if that's you, here's my challenge to you. Ready? Do what Jesus says. Do it. Don't just hear it. Don't just listen to it. Don't just walk away today from what we've even talked about in this room. Walk away and never do anything about it and never apply it to your life. Apply it to your life. Live it out. Do it. Let's look back at our glass. Look at this. If we leave this in long enough, what happened? This is interesting, isn't it? I mean, all of a sudden, this has changed. Hmm. It's not just water anymore. I mean, this looks like water, smells like water, tastes like water. This doesn't look like water. It actually smells like tea. I'm sure it tastes like tea. The the thing on this that we need to see is when you start putting into practice what Jesus teaches, what Jesus says, it changes who you are. Do you see this? I mean, what do we call this glass? A glass of water. But now, we call this a glass of tea. The characteristics have changed. So it's not just what you listen to, it's now who you are is creating this separation. And Jesus is saying that I want you to be like this. I want my words to get in you so much that it changes who you are. And the only way that happens is if you do them, if you live them out. The Apostle Paul writes this in Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Isn't that it right there? Hmm. When you let the words of Christ dwell in you richly, you absorb the nature 
of Christ. You, 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 the, the flavor, the aroma, there's something that happens. You, you take on this new identity. You become the man or woman of God that you've always wanted to be when you allow the words of Christ to dwell in you richly. And my challenge to you is, do you want to stay the same? Or do you want to be the man or woman that Jesus wants you to be? I don't want to stay the same. I want to change. And I know that the only way I'm going to change is if I get the words of Christ in me, living them out, because it will change who I am. Would you bow your heads with me today?